This is Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, featuring distinctly qualified global changemakers dedicated to creating a healthier planet. One where our unique gifts are lived, expressed, and celebrated. I'm your host, Julian Guderlai. This is Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I'm sitting here with Josh and Dakota, um, the co-creators and founders of Cohere Network. And uh, yeah, just welcome, Dakota. Welcome, Josh. Pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, for real. Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about all things co-living, all things community, um, you know, decentralized ownership of, of, of community also. And uh, hear about Cohere first and foremost, because it's a- another uh, great venture that's that's come into my uh, my world. And, you know, I, I want to I hear from the two of you directly. So maybe just do some intros, you guys, and, and go for explaining Cohere in a few words that that we can all catch up with you. Perfect. Yeah, the Cohere is a, a member-owned network of co-living facilities and conscious community around the world. And um, you know, with COVID, everything's shifted in the way we live. Or with many, many millions more people are now working remotely and becoming digital nomads. And one of the things that's really important in this space is how do we facilitate community? And so Cohere does that through providing access to ownership to the members and onboarding and building locations around the world for change makers and cultural creatives to come together, live together, garner more equity through their contributions, and really amp each other's work and expand our collective ripple of impact. Awesome. Josh, do you want to add anything to it? Or was that like the best uh, elevator pitch possible? Yeah, that's like, that's like our first, like, boom, there's a little there's a little 30 second pitch, <laughs> but I'm, I'm much better when you, when I have um, questions to anchor into, because then I can get really deep into what was Got it. Yeah. Well, maybe question about the two of you then, how did you meet each other to come together for this project? Like where in the world did your, did your friendship and partnership for Cohere start? Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, in 2018, uh, I moved to Boulder, uh, Colorado. I was working with, um, somebody named Rennie Davis, who was uh, the leader of the anti-war movement in the 1960s. And he had like a huge, like revolutionary impact. Like Nixon considered him like enemy number one, not the Vietnam (laughs) Kong that we were fighting. Um, And I was working with him more on a mixture of like a spiritual, like kind of meditative practice, as well as like, how do you build a showcase village that changes the way we live on earth, like technology and yeah, interconnection with other people and uh, relation to the earth. Um, and so uh, Dakota had moved to Boulder around the same time. And I have actually known his family and been hanging. I've been friends with his family before I ever met him. <laughs> so we had been aware of each other, but um, never actually met. And so then we started hanging out in Boulder in 2018, started working on some various projects together. He had been really working on affordable housing mixed with like a tourism thing. I think you could probably get into more, but uh, that's kind of how we started. So basically, since we've been friends, we've been engaging in sort of this uh, entrepreneurial bent mixed with kind of the economic focus on how do you change the economic model and really from the perspective of the home, you know, how do you change the economic model that affects the home most, most closely? You want to jump in anything? Yeah. Yeah. So my background's um, 
is really finding architecture and how do we use architecture to uh, enable social impact and change? And how do we use the built environment for uh, meaningful impact with, with the radical transformations of economies and government and governments and climate? How, how does a built environment actually make a difference in everybody's lives? So I trained at the Franklin Wright School of Architecture. My work you know, really gravitated towards super over-the-top high-end homes. And in that process, what I really got present to was I'm actually much more interested in how we create impact through the built environment. And that led to a series of different startups looking at you know, uh, people getting gentrified out of inner cities. What if we can build tiny homes, park them legally on their side yard for three to six months, rent them out for that home homeowner, pay back a, a low interest loan on those units and create revenue streams so people aren't getting kicked out of their homes. And those are the types of projects that um, has really been, it's been the focus of my career and has really led into Cohere, where the Cohere is really focused foremost on, you know, if we're going to take a 77 generation outlook, which is like where Josh really likes to focus on is like long, long-term impact. How important, one of the things that we really see and many people are holding as vision is how do we create a network of beautiful, sustainable communities that are regenerative, that are in line with Mother Earth and in right relations and have a new economic model? Well, how do we get there? And then we backtrack to, well, the first step is let's connect our leaders. Let's connect our leaders and do that in a way where there's the economic drive. And so all of my background in architecture has really led into Cohere and what we're developing with this through the through applying design thinking in business as well as the physical spaces themselves yeah. and then like my background is in engineering and system design and i've really focused on like i i love economics i i say i just basically it to me it's the study of movement of energy between individuals and masses and so when countries move money you get wars or not you know or whatever the thing is and so how do you follow that and then how do you understand the motivations to the a, a deep level psychologically and otherwise to create uh, a system that accounts for all that so like my personal belief is that humans are self-interested and they're always going to be because you have to eat you have to make sure you have clothes you know you basic things the Maslow's pyramid and so if you can start with that and basically account for the fact that that's always going to be the case and then create something that uh, effectively changes the perspective to incentivize people to work together because it, by me helping you, I, I win kind of thing. So now it's a win-win situation. Um, that's really what I've been working on for a long time. And, and I love tokenomics and, and crypto and all these other things. So uh, when I was first meeting Dakota, I was playing with uh, concepts of how do you kind of take a barter model, like a barter system, but like tokenize it and actually create like a, a economy of scale where you have verticals, Everything, you know, if you want to build a house, you need lumber and nails and labor and all that stuff. So the entire scale uh, vertical can be supplied with tokens or with a specific crypto. And that's how you actually create a new economy is starting with the same incentives aligned in the vertical. So that's kind of like how we started to play together. Yeah, I get it. And I mean, this is the part of the movement that's popping up in, in many places now, right? Is where where's the sweet spot where... Um, you know, Dakota, you said it from like a no global nomadic kind of background, people are meeting, but it's, it's maybe not big enough for a city environment. So the opportunity is to create micro economies and mm -hmm. in those micro economies, you know, not, not just pay mortgage, but, but maybe have something that generates 
uh, a revenue that then can be shared and from, from there you can introduce tokens or different cryptos. And I know that you two, after having met in Boulder, which we just learned, but you two have now put due diligence on two sites in Ecuador and Mexico and are scouting several other locations in the world. Maybe let's start with, with Ecuador because I know that you just came from there. Um, what's, what's happening there and, and um, where in Ecuador uh, are, you, are you finding the land? Mm, yeah, it's interesting things. Come here is a really interesting balance between having the structure so the flow can move and then also following the golden thread. So Guatemala has really come in very strongly and now we have a property there on the coast uh, that's moving ahead and we've got three other properties in Guatemala that are coming, uh, that we're in contract negotiation with. So there's, there's kind of a range of different project development in a whole network of locations from Ecuador and Southern Ecuador outside of Loja to, to uh, Guatemala where we've just been for the last month and we're going back to here shortly to Brazil, to Hawaii, to Japan, uh, to Chile. I mean, there's oh, to Bali because one of the things that Cohere does is it is providing a, any one community can generate a microeconomy, but it's rarely enough to be self-sustaining. You know, we often use like the classic analogy of, you know, the Greek city states. Mm -hmm. The way we scale this is that each, each location generates economy, but because we're interlinked through this back end, now we can really amp each other. And now we're actually creating an economy of scale that's empowered by a sense of belonging and meaning. And then that is actually what takes and sparks a movement that has, the passion's always been here. The passion's been here, obviously, since the 60s. But some of the technology has been, in my opinion, missing. Mm -hmm. Some of the technology of how do we actually do this, like in a practical manner. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really interesting to play with these concepts because uh, we are very interested in how we can impact local environments. So down in Ecuador, for example, there, um, as you mentioned, so Ecuador is dealing with uh, climate collapse on a whole bunch of different problems and in all sorts of different ways. I mean, they've been pillaged by the oil companies for decades now and the main economic incentive is driven towards effectively extracting from your land that's what they've been shown works and that's what shows it has value to it so uh, in southern ecuador they basically have the option to either farm or graze cattle and if they graze cattle they have to burn the hillsides down so they start a fire and they don't stop it they just burn what they need but then it tends to burn the entire region um, and they do this all the time, every year, all the time. Um, so it's completely denuded in lots of areas, like 90% or something like that of the forest they used to have. They, they used to have jaguars and you know pumas and stuff in the area, and that those are no longer there. Um, so from our model, we look at, okay, we, we can bring down experts and world leaders with this incentive, but we can also just engage our members who now want to plug in and create regenerative impact. So on our land, we can start to plant polonia trees Polonia is one of the fastest growing trees in the world. In six months, it starts flowering and it flowers all its entire lifespan. It produces honey. And then in two years or 10 years, you can start to harvest it. It's a very solid uh, hardwood for construction and you can, uh, it matures seven or eight times in its lifespan. So every 10 years or so you can harvest and create more uh, lumber. It also uh, infuses the soil with nitrogen. It reinforces it against landslides, the whole thing. So it has many stacked functions that actually change the, the uh, ecosystem back to the natural climate. 
And so from our just our member perspective and our land, we can incentivize people through our ownership model to gain uh, know-how and skill sets in reforesting hillsides and then incorporate in our local connections and other people who are farmers and other local uh, landowners to plug along with us. They can then learn a new economic model that changes how they can uh, make revenue. And so instead of burning hillsides down, now they have a reoccurring revenue stream that doesn't destroy the land. And this is just like simple little things that we can start to do that have practical impacts. You know, Ecuadorians might not have a wallet to deal with crypto, but they'll they have uh but with our um focus on collect collectively answering solutions we can work together to create uh, economic viability for everybody involved yeah that's a that's a key term i think you know when when it when it comes to experiences like in ecuador where you know there's definitely like a a colonial past and then also like a past of of just like monetary interest that sometimes as you said gets lived in a very short-term thinking like burning the hills and having cattle on them is by far not the best thing we, we could do right and so this is actually the first interview i'm recording after an immersion at an agroforestry land here in brazil and it's wild to see how fast uh you know regenerative agriculture and and regenerative like land management how fast it picks up and how fast it creates at the very minimum, different opportunities. Um, yeah. Not always only better opportunities, but different opportunities that then kind of kick off a microeconomy. Mm -hmm. So where's the sweet spot for you guys? Because I've, I've, been, I've been looking into the different land projects that you've been looking out on, and it, it looks like there's a sweet spot of, of a small enough town, but big enough maybe for some infrastructure around. Tell us a bit yeah. more about that. Yeah. So here's the two tracks of development. One is onboarding existing communities and resources, and then bringing more, more energy to those to then develop. And that can range from large amounts of land. Um, you know, there's a big push right now because of, because of all the money printing that's have been happening. The value of fiat currency, like the USD, is dropping in value. So many, many people, including family offices and large institutions, are putting massive amounts of money in land revitalization and land holding. And so you have that side of like the uber wealthy trying to put their money somewhere safe and aligning that money ideally with regeneration. And then you have people who own land and don't want to have to sell it and lose this family asset um, and don't and get the short-term gain of a bunch of USD that's dropping in value anyway. And then you have another bucket of people who have really amazing communities but need some extra energy to really bring it to the next level or sustain it. So Cohere's model allows all of those to be in, onboarded into the network. And so Cohere provides a utility line and the energy to amp, the, in, amp those um, pathways. Then in addition, going to your question, is what we're building from scratch. And what we're building from scratch are showcases, highlighting the best regenerative ag, regenerative architecture, everything into one system that can really show the world and the local region, here's one way of doing it, largely really using traditional best practices with some new technology as well to empower those or to enhance those, I should say. And so we're predominantly looking at the locations we build from scratch, predominantly in resilient locations, climate resilient locations, but we're also looking at places that are in the heat of it and showing how we can, how do we, um, create a new incentive, uh, excuse me, how do we create a new model 
for developing and living on the coast, right? Like the majority of the world lives on the coast. So we want to build there too and show people, well, here are a couple techniques to fortify your property or think ahead with the shifts that are occurring. So your people aren't like left in the cold as the tsunamis get bigger. And so again, it's a multifaceted because it's this ever-growing network that really is facilitating many people in places to plug in. Got it, yeah. I mean, this is a pretty big answer. But so I'm curious now about the the existing communities that you've you've uh, reached out to that you're in, in beginning collaboration with because you know even though many communities that I part of them I you know visited myself and then obviously there's many many more but it still seems like there is like a a slow start to it really scale into a way that many more people could you know kind of renature and at the same time uh, make that dream of of living a bit more in a in a community that cares for each other. What's your experience with that? Is is there are there lots of communities that are already onboarded into Cohere? No, in largely because it's so we believe that okay, the ultimate goal is how to create a network of these hyper-sustainable regenerative villages. Well, before you can start a village, you have to have a really strong culture. Before you have culture, you've got to have a rock solid community. And before you have community, you have to have a rock solid amount of trust between the between the people. Cohere is providing that onboarding ramp. You know, we've got lots of products or lots of uh, friends who, or lots of DAOs, take City DAO, like let's get thousands of people together and get the community and then we'll build the product. And we we're kind of taking a different approach. Where let's build the product and the onboarding ramp where step one, let's build the facilities for co-working, co-living, where people can travel around the world, drop into these magical places and contribute and learn from the local environment, amp each other's work and build the trust. Over time that evolves and over time, the relationships strengthen to the point where someone can go, okay, I, I do wanna live here permanently. So we're really providing that onboarding ramp. And, and so there are, as a company, we have to be very careful to do you know, something you know, one inch wide and a mile deep. And then we do that, we do that well, and then move to the next thing. And it's fun to talk about in our roadmap the impact that Cohere can have as it grows through different market segments. But the first piece right now is um, building out our specific properties that we're raising for, um, and then continuing to build the trust with the different communities we're engaging with to really make sure that the, the, the agreements are really solid and the trust is there. And so in May, we're hosting a, a month-long event to really fine tune the DAO, the Decentralized Autonomous Organization. So we can best fine tune how the you know, five or six different communities that are the far end of the line, how we best all plug in together in a way that makes sense. And we're not, we're not rushing that process. Got it, yeah, yeah. Well, tell us more about the DAO then and like your idea of whole systems and, and you know, like the future of um, money actually. I mean, you know, yeah. we just, there's, there's a whole topic to explore. Yeah, for real. <laughs> like the, the beginning stages of the DAO for right now is like we've seen a lot of these projects go off and they have, you know, pros and cons. There's all sorts of things. I mean, literally, like I, I heard we heard the other day we were at a tribalize event and one guy who's working on DAO said, like, if you think you know the DAO, you're already wrong because it's changed. It's already changed. Since we've had this conversation, it's changed. <laughs> so, like, basically, though, from what we've seen, though, there's some DAOs out there that have got some really solid components. And, and that's kind of why we're focusing this event together to create what would be the most ideal 
function for now and have enough flexibility to kind of evolve. Um, and part of what we've done is like, um, one of the main problems with DAOs is that whales can come in, buy the governance tokens up, and now they have all the voting say, and they can sort of hack it. Um, so what we've done is we've decoupled our ownership and our governance. So ownership is done through an investment, and it doesn't matter if you put $10 million or $1 in, you have the same say, none. You don't have a say because you own. But in the DAO, we have, we'll, we're structuring it um, uh, basically so that members are going to have voting say, and as they engage in the network, and as they basically prove or kind of illustrate their trust in the network by engaging in different projects, they'll have more say over time. And that will sort of evolve as we kind of develop more of these DAOs. And then if effectively, we're going to kind of break the DAOs down into, so there's the Cohere as a company DAO, and then there's all these location-specific DAOs. So if you live in Guatemala, and you might spend time in Guatemala in the Portugal location, those two locations are your mainstays. You're going to have a lot more say in those locations versus the one in Brazil that you've never been to. Now, you're still a member of the whole Cohere network, so you have some say, but not as much as somebody who's on the ground doing stuff in real time. And then another thing that we like to focus on is um, progressive decentralization. So like we see the focus of the DAO and the beauty of the DAO is sort of self-organized um, uh, implementation and project management. But in order to get there, you first have to build the culture, once again, including the DAO and the Web3 culture about how people organize. And so Cohere as a C-Corp is really going to be guiding the structural integrity of the DAO in the, in the beginning and being like, okay, these are the projects we're specifically asking for your support on. We want you to vote on these specific things. And then as we develop, we'll start to you know, create more guilds and more uh, community uh, members can engage and plug in in different places. We'll start to open it up to where uh, we as sort of C-Corp are not really involved in the day-to-day -day decision making of locations you know, down the road once we've really kind of worked this out. So that's kind of the roadmap of the DAO, if you will. Yeah, so just to, to recap on the high level, we've got Cohere LTD that has a US SEC compliant token where we've taken the tokens, excuse me, we've taken the securities of the company and tokenized them. So and this provides kind of a revolution in business in a lot of ways because now when someone invests in Cohere, they have ease of liquidity. So it's like Cohere has the, is like a publicly traded company but it's privately member owned. And so someone can put their money in and now they can, they can take after a one year lockup period per SEC regulation, can now resell or trade or do whatever they want with their shares. So that's, that's the compliance side and that's what allows us to be a bridge to the traditional world in traditional investment world. Where, and on that side, people are looking for stability, like the stability of real estate right now because the market's so volatile and ease of liquidity with the upside of crypto because everyone's speculating on these you know meme coins right where i'm gonna put in money on dogecoin and if other people put money in it's going to go up in value okay great but that's really volatile and you can make a big return and that's all that's all well and good but what we've done with this cohere token is that it has a stable hard floor because each token is actually share of the asset pool the global asset pool and the share of the company, that's consistently going up as we grow the value of our holdings through continuing to build out every location with more and more self-resiliency. 
because we believe that the new gold of our of our gener of the of the era is access to food, water, and community. And so that is the decentralized share of that. And then we have the DAO, which again, as Josh was explaining, is the governance side. So you have the ownership side where you can come in as an investor. And again, every member in Cohere, when they contribute, they garner more shares of ownership in the actual holding. And then the DAO is what self-organizes people to direct what's needed and with more autonomy over time. We're always getting information from every member down to the you know most individual scale, what they're you know, what are the problems and it creates very dynamic flow. Yeah, I mean you're you're touching on a on a topic there that you know is is kind of in multiple spaces when it comes to the volatility of crypto and and also like the use case of it, like what what actually generates this this dream that you mentioned, like you know, food and space and community in a way that it actually kind of turns into the new currency. Um, but we're also tapping into everyone's skills and and in like a mutual way that is kind of like a barter system, but much more evolved, right? And so, um, not to not to uh, be negative about cryptos and and their their speculative value, but I don't think we've seen kind of like the the end of the line of what what these currencies are going to actually become for us, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're like highly so. Um, what's occurring in the crypto space um, is trying to figure out how to program your your store of value. So, like for example, um, we were just talking to a friend of uh, Dakota's that, like, basically he was way in early on the Bitcoin space, like I don't know, 2010 or something, and like was learning about how the thing was made and like the intention behind it, and effectively it was built to be a programmable currency or a programmable store of value that could that could change and adjust based on what the, the world needed. And so like that obviously got shifted and changed over the years, but that's coming back again. And now people are focusing on how can we build smart money, smart store of value that that accounts for the needs of the people in that time frame. Um, I feel like what we're going to see is that like crypto as a as a meme if you will like i'm sure some point of it will always be there but like more and more it's becoming established i mean el salvador for example and other countries are now making it a, a legal tender so totally it just takes steps before you start to see it become real and so that's why we took the approach we did because we see that money is just a belief system and if you're going to believe something, you need to have a strong story to it. The American dollar is a belief system. And the belief is basically, if you don't use our money, we're gonna collapse your government effectively. <laughs> so what we've done is that, well, how about we make a story that's you know inspiring and full of hope and like recognizing the challenges we face as a human species and knowing that if we come together, we can solve them. And the money is just a means of how we decide to translate that story between ourselves. It's just a currency we're using to be like, I agree with this story, you agree with this story, let's play together. And that's kind of the, the very sort of psychological route to like how we're starting this process is like, we wanna create an agreement reality. And we're not the only ones, obviously, I mean, just talking to you, you're already in that field too. We're all finding each other. And it's like a, it's like a homing beacon, like drawing us together. And that's kind of what, what we're seeing is like, 
What this technology can do is translate the energy that we all see as valuable into a fungible means of exchange that gives everybody access and everybody a, a way to express their passion in the physical so that our buildings are actually backing the story. The mm -hmm. physical things you can touch, the plants that you can grow are truly backing the value of this story. So anyway, I know that analogy kind of is all over the place, but. <laughs> no, but it's it's a great analogy because, you know, I think what what the through line of what you all what you all are sharing is that this new world wants to birth, right? And then we have some some growing pain because of the old systems that are dying. So none of us really knows what's the next step really going right. to look like. However, there are patterns we can read and we can see in crypto and decentralized intelligence and technology and blockchain. When you know not governed by one money interest or or a government when it's actually like free in that sense i think it's going to be part of that of that solution and so um yeah what's what's emerging in my world especially through these interviews and, and also the events i host is that possibly different bioregions will operate on different platforms or on different currencies for a while before there is a larger connection right like um, I can see that what you two are, are planning is also to to create that bigger platform right away. And that's we'll, we'll have to see if that's what the, the future holds. But the bioregion piece, I think, is very visible to many people now. It's, it's, yeah. If you create a microeconomy, everything can start, right? Backed on the homes, backed on the plants, backed on your businesses in that region. Yeah. Well, that's like one of the things that we're seeing. It's like there's so many small, uh, amazing singular projects popping up and then there are some smaller regional things happening but it's isolated in those it, through the evolution of civilization again like going back to the classical example of greece it's like when the interoperability really struck between the city states between the cities then massive wealth was generated and that's in order to facilitate that in our opinion it was very important to look at compliance with the hardest regulator in the world, in, as far as we can tell, which is the U.S. government. And so many people in the crypto space are just like, screw the man, we're just going to build this thing over here, which we totally get and appreciate and, and we're doing that in our own ways as well. And there's a huge value in our opinion to have something that is in full compliance because now we can onboard lots and lots of capital. And there's it's a significantly rest, less risk for someone to put their assets or to tag into this larger ecosystem because we have that legal framework. And there's lots of initiatives for the Meta um, uh, the Meta net, uh, network, and it's been really great networking with a lot of the leaders in the space because it's not about Cohere is doing one little thing and doing it and, and working on growing that piece and doing it exceptionally well. But then there's all sorts of other partners, let's say like High Vibe Network, which is really focused on the health and wellness side. And then Resource, which is really focused on the goods and services side. And a litany of more. So it's how do we plug those in together and then go to the micro projects or the individual projects and say, hey, here's a set of tools that have no risk for you to join in. And if you do join in, you're going to now get the gains of this global network. Yeah, I mean, we kind of use our we use an analogy often as we're sort of like the utility company. We're just a power lines builder. We're creating the nodes and the, the cables to connect all these things together. 
I mean, one of the one of the most like tangible ways to express this is I'm going to go live in a community for for 10 years and really like focus on building their sort of permaculture garden. Let's say I put my sweat equity in, I'm you know for years, and then something shifts and it no longer is the right space for me. But I don't have anything to show for that. I have to, I'm leaving. I'm going to move away. But that all the work I did is just there. I have the skill set, but what this does is it allows for people to like put any energy in anywhere and the equity they gain is actually going with them wherever they go because now they are able to transfer it um, quite tangibly. That's a um, great pragmatic example. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so that's like, like we're focusing on, you know, the members are the energy, they're the electricity moving through the wires. All we're doing is like, you know, there's a, there's a place in Costa Rica and there's places in Baja and Mexico and let's put them all together. And then just a slight little nerd out, on the tech token side, <laughs> our tokens are built in such a way that it's attached to a bonding curve. So when you make an increase of supply of tokens, you increase the price of the token. So by effectively paying people in tokens to provide their skill sets and knowledge, we're increasing the value of the total token supply. So now Dakota does something, my token value goes up. I didn't have to do anything, but if I help him, now we all are, it goes up even more. So this process of sort of bringing on communities and connecting together means that your individual plot of land, whether it has something on it or not, now it, now is translated to token value that becomes way more valuable than your single plot because it's connected to the entire global market. Right, right. And Makes that sense. becomes very valuable, especially when you can liquidate against your property without losing your title. That is a game changer. Um, and that's kind of what we're building. It's like, in the future, we talk about creating this sort of uh, regenerative, better business bureau in a way where companies all over the world who are doing similar things can trade with each other in a kind of like a like an S&P 500. But instead of it's, it's like privately held and run by com companies that are really focused on regenerative values. And, and like we all we all as a collective define what that means and work towards better improvements of that. So that's once again, these are like future, future, future site things. Totally. Well, let's bring it back to the here and now then. This, yeah. is, this was such an informative episode, but I, your next step. So there's an event coming up in May. Um, what what other elements are in kind of the, the timeline right in front of us? Right now, okay, because some of the challenges with regulations for the non-accredited U.S. investor has really um, uh, provided emphasis for us for a WeFunder launch. So the non-accredited U.S. citizen can invest in Cohere right out of the gate. So on April 5th, here in a you know, week or so, we're opening that up to the general public where the app, anybody can invest in Garner shares and equity in Cohere. Right now in the company valuation, the token valuation is the lowest. So that's a, that's a, a, a big launch that's coming out here. Mm -hmm. The second piece is the event the May event where people can apply to join join us and garner security tokens through their contributions and their genius. And so that's coming up. And then the third piece is the event will have the goal of the event, because I think we mentioned before, like we really like focus on action oriented stuff. We wanna create impact right away. So we're gonna be launching the DAO and that also launching our NFTs, which are connected to um, uh, Russ Renat and regenerative sort of like focusing on endangered species and using some of that fun for impact. We're, we're going to be doing an NFT drop that is uh, NFTs for your future stay, but they're also incredible pieces of art 
focus on essential uh, essential needs. Uh, as Josh said, their first artist is Russ Renat. He is a famous painter for endangered animals. So a percentage of the proceeds goes towards our local impact projects in the different places around the world. And so that drop is anticipated to basically the end of April, excuse me, the end of May, um, early June. So that's the, the next launch outcome. And then uh, I would say like the next piece would be uh, over the next few months, we're going to several places and that are already currently uh, have pre-existing properties on them. And we're gonna start to expand our, our operating network currently. So although we're building locations, in the beginning for our members, we're gonna be engaging with specific locations in Southwest and New York and stuff like that. So, and Antigua, that's where we're currently at. Yeah, right on. There's there's a lot coming towards you. This is exciting. Um, awesome, guys. I'm gonna make sure to put the, the, the website into the show notes as well. Is there any other place or any call to action you'd like to make where people can connect with you? Oh, our Discord. Discord yeah, yeah, so the, the WeFunder for uh, investment, the Discord for community engagement, so, and the uh, event. Those are the three main things right now. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Okay, I'll make sure to, to share that as well. Well, thank you so much for your time and for the first insights into Cohere Network. And um, obviously, best of luck. And then uh, to be continued, right? Because this is, as, as you both said, like, there are so many steps still to make on the kind of crypto DAO blockchain revolution and the patterns are visible. I think the first gambling and volatility were past it. Yeah. Now the question is um, how fast will, will things birth, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. How do we use this in real ways to change our lives? Not, not just gambling and speculation. So, yeah. Well, pleasure. Thank to, you. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for what you're doing and, uh, thank you for having us. It's been great to, um, to share. Yeah, thanks so much.